the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI. When you go to a gig or a concert, there's always someone there operating some sort of spaceship dashboard and they're responsible for a whole lot of noise, but you never really hear from them. They're the sound engineers, the unsung heroes of every amazing gig you've been to in your life. And we've got a sound guy with us on Out of the Box today, Adam K. Adam, welcome on Out of the Box. Thank you very much. So most recently you were mixing a band called Neurosis. Can you tell us a bit about that band? Oh, I was doing uh, monitors for a band called Neuro- uh, for oh, Neurosis, and that's um, <laughs> like the stage sound that they can hear. And it was a great gig, but it, that is one of the loudest bands I've heard in a long time, and it was it was quite challenging, but a lot of fun. And what was what was so hard about doing the monitors for them? Uh, just because the stage sound was so immense that it was hard to get the monitors loud enough for them to hear it. But I managed to pull it off, and um, yeah, it was just I had to have earplugs in at one point because it was so incredibly loud, but still amazingly awesome. Actually, speaking of loud loud bands. I mean, that's your line of work, being a sound engineer. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hearing loss or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've never had a hearing test, and nor do I ever want to have a hearing test because it'll probably just play on my mind if I find out what frequencies I've lost in my ears. But I'm sure there's some degree of hearing damage there because, you know, I'm exposed to loud environments all the time. So I'm sure there's something wrong, but I'm not going to check for it. <laughs> all right, we're going to kick things off with a pretty loud band, Deftones. And why do you want to pick this song? Um, the Deftones is actually, I was in Reading in England and that was the first time I'd heard this band. It was in 2011 and it was the most epic sounding thing I've still heard. And it was just amazing. And this actual song is a song I use when I'm tuning the PA at the start of the night. I, I like to use this song and I know a few other soundies mates of mine that use this song as well. All right, great stuff on FBI 94.5.
Listening to Out of the Box on FBI with me, Ash Bertabez, and my guest today, Adam Kay, who is a sound engineer who works all over Sydney in a bunch of different venues. And uh, that track by the Deftones you brought in because you you tune PAs to it. Is that what you said? Ah, uh, yeah. At the start of the night when we um we get ready to to mix the band, you need to um tune the PA, and that that basically just means like make it sound nice to your ears and. Because every room is different and you've got to tune a room as you go in and they're all going to react differently in um, different frequencies and the best way to describe a frequency is just, um, you know, in home stereos they have like lows which is bass and mids and highs so we, we try to find what ones aren't really working in that room and pull them out sure. so and the room sounds yeah. really nice. And when you're tuning a room in Sydney, are there any particular venues that you think have a really a really good sound? Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the venue I work at, uh, Manning Bar at Sydney University, I think has a an awesome sound. Sort of the way the, that room is built, the way the the roof slopes down, it it really works really well. Um, what's uh, the Factory Theatre in Marrickville is another one that is a really really nice sounding room because they've put big thick curtains all around all around the the area, so it, it, the sound reacts really well. Are there any particular venues that you think have really big sound challenges just in the way they're built? Um, there are a few, like, uh, Good God Small Club, which is a, a venue I absolutely love, just the way it's sort of low ceiling, low, um, you know, pillars everywhere. It can be challenging, but that's sort of what makes it fun, is, you know, you get a challenging room and you've got to try to make it sound the best you can, so. I should probably ask you to, to mention what a PA is. What does PA stand for? Uh, PA stands for, um, Personal Address System. And basically all a PA is is just the, the speakers in a room or when people are at a festival they can see the, the giant speakers that are being hung from truss. And, um, yeah, basically that's all it is. We just call it a PA system. And, um, yeah, it's just what you can hear is the, is the PA. Have you ever broken a PA system? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, I won't admit whose PA I broke. Uh, when I was first learning I was uh, doing some work and I, I blew up the horns in a PA, which was really, really scary. Yeah, what happens when that happens? Um, what, are, what are horns? Uh, the horns are the, the, the tops of the PA, so the sort of tss that people can hear. And um, I'd 
blown the diaphragm so once you do that it's totally ruined and i've got to change it over which is also a very expensive exercise <laughs> so you were first learning out in gosford yeah what was it like starting out as a sound guy when you're all the way out in gosford um it was it was challenging i um i kind of how i got into it was i was rehearsing in a, a re- rehearsal studio in west gosford and a guy named ryan hazel was running it and um he just asked me one day what do you do and i said oh, i want to learn how to be a sound guy and he said great i want to teach someone to mix and that's sort of how it all started for me. So he had a, a PA and um, I learned how to use it and I started throwing it in the back of my van and just traveling around the Central Coast doing cover shows. Cover shows? Yeah, so ACDC cover shows and they used to work for this band called Crankenstein, which are all sorts of angels covers and, you know, that real sort of pub rock and roll sort of thing. Yeah, was there like a particularly common song that would pop up all the time? Oh, definitely. I've definitely heard, I think, um, uh, what's that song by, you know, What's My Name by The Angels. You oh, know, yeah. I've heard that so many times and definitely, you know, TNT by ACDC and yeah, they, they make the rounds a lot. Do you reckon that's a better way to start out, starting out in a, a more regional area? Would you say Gosford's regional? It, yeah, I'd say it's regional. I don't necessarily think it's better starting in a regional area, but the way I did start out with just doing cover shows and, and piling PA into the back of my van and learning how PA systems work and definitely made me a, a, a better sound guy and just sort of with the cover shows, the pressure's not as hard as it is right now when I'm working with international bands. True, yeah. And uh, we've got a track from Manchester Orchestra to play now, Shake It Out by them. What 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 kind of place does Manchester Orchestra hold in your heart? Oh, a very big one, and especially the drummer. I remember seeing them at the Hi-Fi in Sydney, and my friend Ryan was mixing them, and it was just one of the most amazingly energetic and awesome-sounding shows I've ever seen. It was great.
for my skin And I felt the way within Reveal a bigger mess That you can't fix Check it out by Manchester Orchestra on FBR 94.5. Brought in by my guest today, Adam Kay on Out of the Box. He's a sound guy and brought that in because he's got a big fat crush on the drummer. Most definitely. And you're a drummer yourself. Do you think that playing in bands has made you a better sound guy? Um, I definitely I definitely think it's helped me to be a better sound guy because I've been playing in bands and playing music since I was about 15 years old. And I sort of, you know, going into it, into sound, I'd, I'd know how I wanted the band to sound. I'd know how, like, certain things should sit in the mix and stuff like that. And so as I was progressing through and could realise how to get to that point, I definitely think it helped me, you know, playing in bands and hearing and watching bands a lot. I mean, I don't think, to be a good sound guy, you don't necessarily have to play in a band, but if you go watch a lot of bands, you know how things are meant to sound and then you just sort of refine that. And what's the relationship like between bands and sound guys? Are, are they usually, you know, on the same page? Um, most of the time. I, I think a, I might be romanticising it a little bit here, but I think the the relationship between a band and the sound engineer is quite special because the band is, is trusting the sound guy to make sure that they'll sound good every single night consistently, no matter where they are. And um, because, on you know, on big, big festival shows, you know, the band is only as good as his sound engineer. And I think that's a really, really important relationship and they should both be on the same page and be listening to each other. Yeah. Do you have any bands that are kind of relying on you as a sound guy that, you know, you're you're their pet soundie or something like Um, that? I do. As a a band, a a bunch of boys called uh, Breakaway. And um, I met those guys at Splendor in the Grass and they're they're four guys. They're more of a a sort of pop punk outfit. 
And um, the first mix I ever did for them was at the Metro, and I went in there not knowing what they were and what they sounded like, but I I like the I really love the boys and I like their music, and those guys are really cool. You know, they like they've got a couple of big shows coming up, and they like they have they want to bring me along to make sure it sounds good for them, and you know they're trusting me to do that. Should we take a track from them now? Yeah, that would be great. All right, on FBI ninety four point five, we've got a track from Breakaway, and it's called Invincible. You don't know me. You don't know. Invincible by Breakaway and FBI 94.5, brought in by my guest today, Adam K. And how did you how did you get in touch with these guys first and then start uh, mixing their gigs? Um, I was actually at Splendor in the Grass uh, with my boss and um, we, we, we were finished working for the day and um, he disappeared to, to go get a, to go to the toilet or something and I'd, I was, I'd been drinking and we were watching Empire of the Sun. And I met these guys, and it's a little hazy, but I met them, and I, you know, went up to the the guitarist Michael, and I said, "Can I be your friend?" Of my friends disappeared, and he's like, "Yeah, no worries." 
So I just partied with those guys. And um, about a week later, I got this message saying, hey, my name's Michael. You might not remember, but you said you're a sound engineer and you could mix my band. And I'm looking at the phone going, well, no, I don't remember that. And he's saying, Do, can you mix us at the Metro this Saturday? So I said, yeah, sure. So I went there and I love the guys and love the band and I've been working for them ever since. Nice. And so it's obviously not just when you're a sound guy that you're operating the spaceship kind of thing that you have going on <laughs> in the middle of the crowd. There's, there's going to be other elements to it. Can you tell us a bit more about what goes on in the day-to-day of being a sound guy? Um, well, sure. Like the day-to-day, say if you're a touring sound guy and, you know, you're touring from place to place, um, it's quite a, a big day. So, you know, you'll travel with the band and um, you'll go to go to the venue. And, and once you're in the venue, you sort of got to get all the gear in, and get it set up and get your microphones. And this could be at like 12 o'clock, you know, in, uh, in the afternoon. And so you'll be doing that. And then there's quite an extensive sound check, which is involved in that. And so you're making sure everything's okay. So by the time that's done, it's probably about six o'clock. So you've been there for six hours already. And then you've got to hang around and, you know, the sound guy might also be tour managing. So he's just making sure that the night is running on time so he can get his band up and, you know, do the headlining show and finish it off. So it is quite a massive day. You know, people think, oh, you might just walk in, mix the band and go, but you're actually there for the entire day. As soon as the band gets, you get there before the band would get there to the venue and then you're there after they leave. So, so what are the hours like then? Um, It all just depends. Like, you know, it... um. On a really, really big headlining tour, like I just um, uh, finished a run with Rufus and I was doing production work, which means bringing the PA to the venues. And we'd get in there at about 12 o'clock because I've got to set up the entire PA and the band might get there at about five. So we're there five hours before they are getting ready and there's stage techs who are putting all their instruments on the stage and I'm tuning the PA for the, the front of house guy. And I'm so, you know, and then that'll finish and the band will go home and I might pull the PA down, pack it into the truck, and it could be three in the morning. So, Jesus. And I, I wonder, there's a guy who always comes on and is like, one, two, check, one, two. And I never <laughs> understood what was going on there when I was younger. Can you explain what that whole routine is about? Uh, yeah, definitely. He's um like, you would have seen me do it the other night, and it's come coming on to, to test the monitors to make sure they, they're nice and loud and there's no feedback. And um, feedback is where those squeals you can hear, and everyone's heard them, you know, when the microphone's a little bit too hot. So I'm just trying to make sure that there are no feed, there is no feedback into the monitors, and saying like everyone says one two, and I'm sure there is a more scientific reason behind it, but I don't know. But two is just to try to excite the higher frequencies that you know you you can hear, and then you just say different things, and all you're looking for is just all those frequencies that are that are too hot, and then they're going to squeal back in the singer's face because nobody likes that. I see, and when you're when you're at a gig, mm-hmm. do you ever find it hard to kind of switch off your sound engineer mind and actually just enjoy the gig? Like, do you kind of mix it in your head? Uh, I used to when I was a little bit younger, but now I don't because it ruins the gig for me. And um, when I'm going to watch music, I just like being in the moment and just watching it, and I'm not at work, so it's it's more of a relaxing time for me. I don't try to critique it too hard at all. We've got a track to take from Sigur Ross. Which one is it? Oh, I can't pronounce it. You can pronounce it better than I can. <laughs> All right. Cyglopur by Sigur Ross. Why this one? Um, I just really love this song and I love the way it sounds. And this is such an amazing band. And you know, there's only three of them. And the fact that they can make a sound like this is just incredible.
beautiful track by Sigaros on your radio today, brought in by my guest Adam Kay. And that's that's a lovely track, but what do you kind of see in it? What do you see in it sound wise? Oh, it's just um just all the different colours that they create and the different sounds. It's just incredible the layers they can sort of emulate. I have not seen them live and it is something that I need to do. And you um, do. <laughs> a good friend of mine has seen them live and he said it was just incredible the way they sound and that's sort of why I like doing this job it's trying to create that and you know you've got a lot more like sort of input when you're a sound guy and it's a really really big stage and you can you know they're giving you the sounds and it's what you do with them that makes the difference so I just really want to see them live. (laughs) So most of the stuff you've brought in today is of the rockier spectrum I mean we've got some Bronx coming up (laughs) which is pretty hefty stuff and that was, I guess, the the least of you know the least rocky song, but you've got no kind of electronic stuff that you brought in here. Do you have a bit of an aversion to electronic music? I, I not entirely. I do listen to a little electronic music, but it's not something that I do regularly. It depends what mood I'm in. If I'm going out, you know, I like to, everyone likes to have a bit of a boogie, so I like to hear some electronic stuff. But it's not something I really listen to on a day to day basis. Yeah, and um, I want to ask you about DJs because I mean, lately I've been hearing some reading some things online where people are saying DJs are ruining the live music scene, and I want to see you know if from the perspective of a sound engineer, if there's any truth in that. Um, there's probably a, a small element of truth to it. I don't, I don't want to be pointing fingers or anything like that. But for a DJ, you know, you don't need a sound guy and you don't need all that crew that is involved with it. And that's not to say there's not DJs that I, I really like because there are a lot of my good friends are DJs and they're really cool. But I definitely think it has shifted the live entertainment sector a lot since the, the DJ has become more popular. Yeah. Mm. And um, but how would that actually injure the the scene at all oh, it's not the scene it's more of a well you know live music it's just it's a very expensive endeavor because you know there's bands involved there's a you know you have to have a pa you have to pay a sound guy there's promoters involved it is quite an expensive venture but when you're when you have a dj it's just one person and so it's cheaper it, yes definitely by how much do you reckon i have no idea like I've, i don't i haven't booked any bands or djs before so okay. i couldn't exactly answer that question all right and have you done any of that kind of work? Have you been mixing DJs? In your um, I have. I've, you know, I've mixed DJs. And like I said, I don't have anything against them at all. There's a couple of really, really cool DJs out there that I've seen that I like. Um, like who? I'm trying to remember some off the top of my head right <laughs> now. But um, Filthy lies. <laughs> yeah, I've good, a good mate of mine. I had a master's at good... Uh, he used to um, DJ at uh, Oxford Arts Factory. And I loved what he does because he drops these really old school tunes and it's really, really fun. And it's a good day. It just... Yeah, I think the the DJ thing is pretty massive right now. Have you done any big, ma- big massive DJ nights at all? Um, I have. I've done plenty at um, Manning Bar for their student parties and stuff like that. But then it's a real easy gig because I'm just babysitting. It's only two channels of DJ line, so it's a nice, nice easy one for me. <laughs> babysitting, I love it. With the Bronx, obviously you've mixed mixed them before and had like macho fano at their gigs oh, i haven't i haven't mixed them before oh, you, i would, didn't i would absolutely love to but i haven't but i have been to as more gigs than i can count on my hand of the bronx they're All like right. one of my favorite bands i saw them in reading again and they are just one of the most energetic awesome bands that i've ever seen they're incredible what's it like to see the bronx live like i, I, I know you saw them at the yannandale what mm, was that gig like that was amazing it was just crazy you know such a small space for a band that could sell out the metro easily and they did three shows in a row and it was just awesome like the place was electric it was really cool
the Bronx on FBO Radio, and that was Heart Attack American, brought in by my guest today, Adam K, who is a sound guy. But I was wondering, are there sound girls? Um, yeah, there are sound girls. Like, um, I mean, it's just a, a general term, you know, sound guy. But um, there are sound girls in there. It is a, a lot. It is a very male-dominated industry. But there are, are definitely sound girls in there. There's some, and the sound girls I've seen are some of the best in the world. Um, a girl called Jenny from the states, and um, she just blitzes it. She matches it with the guys, and she pulls some of the best mixes. And um, another one, Sally, who I've met, she was touring with a band called uh, Boris from Japan, and they came from Manningbar, and it was the most brutal thing I've ever heard. And they're they're really amazing. Like yeah, they have to. You know, I think it's because they got to fight to get through, so they're so good. And they now I really have a lot of respect for them. Interesting. And with with touring, I want to know what touring life is like these days, and and if you think it's changed since since the good old days. Um, it's I, I love touring. It's a, it's a really fun thing to do. But I definitely think it's gotten a bit harder than say you know the eighties, early nineties. Um, sound guys have got to double up on jobs a lot more now. So you have to tour manage, and you might have to drive as well for the band. I think in sort of the glory days, if I can call them that, of music, you know, you had tour managers, techs, sound guys, monitor guys, and they there was a lot more money in it back then as well. So, you know, they could the band could afford all this crew and they'd travel around in a bus and it was good. But I, I love touring, you know, it's a lot of fun. I get to see and meet some really cool people and I, I love travelling around with the bands and mixing in different rooms and, and, you know, seeing different cities and seeing how they react to different kinds of music. Mm. It is a it is a hard life. I don't think it's as as glamorous and every sound guy out there you know might will probably agree with me it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is because most of the time while the band is partying you're working and packing down their gear and getting ready for the next day actually we should probably mention writers (laughs) are writers you know that you know how there's all those stories about really grandiose writers are they are they changing around i think they're changing this is just my opinion on things because i see the writers these days and you know the writers you know, let's use, you know, the great rock bands of old, you know, ACDC and Gunners and stuff. They probably had on their writers, you know, five cases of beer, a couple of cases of Jack Daniels, you know, um, some illicit substance of some sort. <laughs> Nowadays, I see writers and it's it's baby spinach and tofu and, <laughs> you know, sugar-free Red Bull, coconut water, which, you know what, I don't mind, and cold meats, which I don't mind because that means I can have a sandwich before the show. But I definitely think it's changed a bit. I mean, there are still bands that, you know, order tons and tons of alcohol, you know, and keep that, keep that alive. <laughs> and is there is there a best tour that you've ever been on? Is there something that really sticks out in your memory is just the number one tour? Oh, like I, I've, I haven't done heaps of touring, but the best tour I did was... um was one of my first big ones and that was with a band called red jumpsuit apparatus and it was it was really fun it sort of you know secured how much i love this job and why i love doing it and moving around and doing different uh different rooms and different cities and the other really fun tour is uh the one i did for my company the company i work for gas audio services we did it for matt corby we took our, our new pa out and we did that and that was really cool because even though I wasn't mixing, there was something kind of really special about setting up a giant PA and making it sound really good. And then the show's awesome, and you can tell everyone in the crowd is loving it. And you know, you, me, and my my boss Drew, we sort of feel like we had a part of that. So it's it's really cool. Nice. And when when you're talking about the way something sounds, I mean, you're mixing something and trying to describe what it needs more or less of. Is that kind of a different vocabulary that? sound guys use yeah there is i mean we all have different terms to how we use things but you know say if i if i think there's a bit 
too much bottom end in it. I say it sounds a bit woolly, or if it's too harsh, it's a bit bitey or honky. Or and, you know, we'll, most of us will know what that means, and the average person might be staring at us like we're a bunch of idiots. But like that's sort of yeah, there is, I suppose, a bit of a different vocabulary, and that that's in any job. I think you know, there's always people people the way where they word things is different to you know another job. So. And you recently went on a tour that's called the Hits and Pits tour. It was like a lot of punk varieties. Ah, it was yes. Yeah, what was what was that like? It was, it a was good one? awesome. It was it was great fun. I was touring with one of my best friends. He was the other engineer on the tour, and it was some bands that I absolutely idolised and have loved all my life. Like who? Um, we were touring with um, Strung Out and Face to Face and Ten Foot Pole and um, a band I love called Big D at the Kids Table. They're a ska band which I really enjoy. And it was a really good tour. It was really tough because we were touring 10 American bands around the country and all their stuff. But it was definitely enjoyable and I made a lot of good friends and a lot of good contacts. When you're touring around the country and you've got all of these guys who are in, you know, pretty punk bands, I'm sure there's a lot of partying that goes down. <laughs> well, you, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But these guys, you know, bands like Face to Face and Strung Out, they're a lot older now. So I, don't, I think they've got the partying out of the system. But the younger bands, we did party a bit, especially on the last the last day. You know, we um, the last show was in Perth, and we had a day off in Perth, and it was great because the guys just sort of stayed at the hotel. We got a case of beer and hung out by the pool, and that was like one of the best days for me because I was just chatting to these guys, you know, who had flown all the way from the states, and they were just really really cool dudes, and that's where I made a lot of new friends. Nice. And with with certain tours, and when people you know do party on a tour, has anyone ever gotten left behind? <laughs> Definitely, there's been. I won't mention what band it was, but at the end of the tour, he um, I was in Perth and I was flying back to Sydney, and he was going to fly back to LA. And this said person wasn't allowed back on the plane because <laughs> he was too drunk, so we had to just leave him in Perth till he sobered up. And then he flew back to Sydney and then back to LA. Full on, what a waste of money! <laughs> All right, so we've got a big D and the kids' table tractor take called Shit Tattoos. Why this one? Uh, this is a, there's a bit of a backstory to this one. Um, me and my friend uh, Matt Yates, who's a guitar tech in Melbourne, we we, we love this band. And um, while I was on this tour, this was on the Hits and Pits tour, I had this little wooden turtle that my boss had given me, and um, I made it the tour. It's the tour mascot. His name's Terry. And one time when we were in Melbourne on a day off, me and Matt thought it'd be this great idea to get these tattoos of this turtle on our stomachs, Terry the Touring Turtle. And this song, uh, the the chorus is, Terry, you make shit tattoos. So when we told the bands that we've got these tattoos of a turtle and their name is Terry, they just lost it and thought it was great. So now we've, you know, we're forever connected to this band. Strong language coming up. You want to collect fish, swimming through some bamboo, but always get some sticks. And some gross Tattoo. Just pull this tribal flag. I want to hit it on you. Terry, you make shit tattoos. 
on FBI 94.5. Some ska, which isn't just, it's not done these days. No, I hardly ever hear it. It should be. <laughs> yeah, they said ska is dead, but you're resurrecting it. Zombie no, ska on your radio. Dead. Some big D in the kids' table. Awesome, Ben. Shit tattoos is the name of that one. And Terry the Turing Turtle. Yes. Can, he, can you recap what he's all about? He's, um, he's just a turtle I brought with us on tour and I just named my boss brought went to Fiji uh, Drew and he brought me back this wooden turtle and I made him the tour mascot so there's also there's actually a Facebook page called Terry Turing which me and my friend Matt Yates have done and we're the only ones with Terry Turing tattoos so is it going to be one day a, a big business? I hope so I mean maybe but you know if you want to be part of Terry Turing you have to have a Terry Turing tat <laughs> <laughs> so before you were a sound guy you you did a few other things. I mean, you were a teacher for a while. Oh yeah, I was I was studying teaching, and um, I've done a bit of prac teaching, which was fun. Um, I was working at Bunnings. I was a milkman. I worked in a bookstore. <laughs> um, I worked at a surf shop. I've done yeah a few things before I became a sound guy. Yeah, and just before you did make your full time transition to being a sound guy, you were at Bunnings. What kind of what pushed you to the point where you just said? No more Bunnings, I'm doing this full time. Um, I think it uh it was I'd just gotten back from overseas. I'd did done the, the sort of typical thing. I'd ended in a, a four year relationship and, and left and went overseas for a couple of months. And um when I got back, I I think I did two shifts at Bunnings and realized how much I hate this and I just you know, I'm gonna I need to focus on something complete. So I quit that and I dove into sound head first and I concentrated all my time into just becoming a sound guy. No regrets? None at all. I am, I have no regrets at all. I, I love what I do, and I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful that I can do what I do. Do you prefer mixing festivals or venues? Uh, venues, uh, definitely, because you've got a little bit more time. I haven't done a huge amount of festival mixing, but what I have done is it, it's quite stressful. You know, you haven't got much time to sound check the band. You know, there's another band playing somewhere else. Um, you might sound check the whole band in your headphones, and... I've been told a couple of stories from you know some of my mentors about how scary it can actually be. And in a venue, I've got a little bit more time to sort of sound check the band and I can get things the way I want them to be. Is it important to have a mentor then? I think so. I had um, some very, very, you know, I'm very lucky the mentors that I had in my life. Um, my The one who taught me to mix, his name's uh, Ryan Hazel and he's was used to be the drones sound engineer. And um, he's, he just got back from mixing DMAs at Splendor and um, he was... You know, an integral part in me becoming a sound guy. He took me under his wing and he showed me most of what I know today. So I'm I'm very thankful. And then he sort of introduced me to a lot of the people that I work with now. My boss Drew, um, you know, who's been a, a really big help, and he's he brought me into the company and given me access to some amazing equipment, which I'm very thankful for. Nice. Mm. And we got a track from the Snowdroppers here. What kind of relationship do you have with the Snowdroppers uh, as a band? A very funny one. I've, um, I've mixed them a bunch of times and I just, I love them. They're, they're the first show I ever mixed at the Metro, which was when I'd just gotten back from overseas and my mate Ryan was mixing them and I, I mixed the support band, uh, Jackson Firebird. And I just remember seeing the Droppers and was just like, this is a band that is amazing and should really go far because they're so out there and it's just awesome music. All right, well, we've got one from them called Moving Out of Eden. Any particular reason this track is the one you picked? I just like this song. It's so droney and awesome, and the end of the song is great, and you'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about at the end. Yeah. 
school's over, it's time to call it quits. We were on the tail end of a three-day blitz. Broken bottles in the garden, paradise lost. Your dad came around and you changed all the locks. And now I'm crashing on couches, eating out of tins. I ain't nothing original about my sins. Neighbors give me looks, but I get no regard. No dinner invitations, no get well cards. Like a tattooed snake on a tan line, like a footprint on a landmine. I get a feeling that we went and made an awful mistake. I get a sickness in my belly that I just can't shake. A happy hour coffin, a payday nail. I'm like Jonah in the belly of a small town whale. Gotta get me out before it's too late to pray. Gotta ride all time. was Moving Out of Eden by the Snowdroppers off their album, Moving Out of Eden. Brought in by Adam Kay, my guest today, a sound guy who works all across Sydney in a bunch of different venues and uh, works for Gas Audio. Yeah, that's um, the, the company that's run by my boss, uh, Drew Tool. And um, yeah, it's really good. We just 
we do a lot of PA work and stuff like that, and it's something I'm really, really interested in, and he's, we've got some really nice stuff, so it's nice to work on good equipment. Well, it was really nice to actually have a sound guy on and talk to a sound guy on this show, because I, I never really hear from sound guys. I don't think it happens very often, so thanks very much for being on Not a problem box. at all. Thanks for having me on. And we've got one last track to take, Arc Arsenal by The Wondrous at the drive-in. And what are your feelings towards them? Oh, just awesome. <laughs> I mean, I saw them when they came to Splendour to play their only Australian show, and I hadn't seen them before, and I'm a big fan. And it was just ev- lived up to everything I wanted, so I thought, you know, end the show on a bit of a bang. Out of the Box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI.